It always starts with just a little tickle, the tiniest touch, before the hook pierces the skin, before an idea takes root, before obsession is born. The first push against the membrane is a gentle thing. You're going to have to be quiet, I'm afraid. I have to tell this. Don't worry. You won't choke to death. <laughs> that would be quite difficult here, wouldn't it? You should enjoy this. Feel the fluid on your chest. It tells you you're alive. Suffering, yes, but you are here. And now. However, it is a distraction I cannot afford. Allow me... One form becomes another. We are constantly changing, evolving. Every thought we have, every action we choose changes who we are. As this wire changes your flesh, your appearance. The blood has stopped. For now. I know you don't want to hear this story. And look at that, a very simple torture, the boredom of others. I know you don't want to hear it, but indulge me as I will indulge you in so many ways. You must learn anticipation. Everything must begin at the right time. The place to start must be chosen carefully. So listen now and bathe in the anticipation of a beginning. Piercing the Veil by Philip North and Peter Davis I was never like you. There may only have been a handful of people like me ever spawned on that rock called Earth. I was born and grew. I whined and cried and ate and watched. But even at that young age, it seemed I could see the narrow channels that life was forcing everyone to walk. Every adult I met bored me. They were weak, passionless beings, living from day to day until the meat they moved through the years rotted around them. I'm sure most of them hardly noticed. You would expect me to be a loner, I suppose, cut off from everyone. But this was not the case. Other children were so deliciously unaware of the fate that awaited them. They were full of wonder and possibilities, easily manipulated by anyone with half a mind to do so. It was on my eighth birthday that I began my experiments. I chose my good friend Jack to be my first subject. Jack was a happy boy, full of life, polite and pretty, from a good family, and at eight already had his whole track ready to go. School, college, university, doctor. I felt that something more was within his grasp. I could help him see beyond this tedious maze of life, to find something other. So I began to work. Jack followed my lead and things began to open up. Experiences of the mind and flesh. Jack was a willing student. We'd crush beetles. We'd create a ring of salt in which we'd place slugs and watch as they dissolved themselves, trying to escape. We'd find mating insects and kill one of them, relishing in the sight of the other, unable to detach itself. But all of these petty tortures can only go so far once you have a taste for it, and so we progressed to bigger things. 
It was a rural area, and there was no shortage of helpers. Cats were always his favourites. Many times as we walked home and he wiped the blood from his hands, I felt happy in a job well done. I was content to watch Jack blossom. Time passed, and we began adolescence. The suggestions I'd been giving him and conversations we had about his parents were taking root nicely, and puberty really added spice into the mix. Jack's newfound aggression was tempered with a new hopelessness. His absence from school and dropping grades were putting an end to his trap of the life of a doctor. But what now? The time I'd put in to mould him, mixed with my efforts to keep my own grades up, was exhausting. However, I needn't have worried. Jack had drawn attention to himself. His parents provided him with a counsellor, a man with little vision. He recorded endless notes into a dictaphone, all of his patience, ramblings, and his own dull insights. However, one afternoon, he got a little more than he bargained for. Right, Tuesday 19th, a follow-up visit with Jack. Note, make sure to look into Jack's medication. Jack? Jack, stop! What have you done to yourself? Jesus, I'm calling a doctor! Put it on the table. Your phone and keys too. Do it! This is loaded. Where did you get that? It's my dad's. Now do it. Now! Okay, okay. Look, Jack, what's going on? I tried my best, but I can't do it right. Jack, you're going to bleed to death if you don't get some help. Please let me call someone. No! Don't move! You see how pathetic I am. I'll never break away from this life. Look, it's okay. No, it's not. I've failed it. Listen. I want you to document this. I want you to record this failure. Jack, this is not what you want. Listen, do it. Do it. Tell me what you see. All right, okay. Jack. Jack has sliced open his arm. He is bleeding and needs a doctor. No! Do it properly. Describe it all. Jack has sliced open his arm and peeled back the skin in places. God, Jack, please stop this. Keep going. There is blood everywhere. I don't know what else to say. I've wavered. I thought maybe going further could help me. Tell him I'm sorry. No! I think that day was my first major triumph. I wish I could have been there to see the look on his parents' faces when they got in. The blood splattered on their nice white sofa, spots of it sizzling on the arger, pools of it in the cloakroom. His dissection was perhaps a little too thorough. The actions of a child desperate to please a disappointed parent, his secret desire to prove himself was mixed with his festering hatred of their smothering love. He lacked discipline. Still, the experiment wasn't a complete failure. And I was happy, at least as far as first times go. Everything had gone more or less as I had expected, and yet it wasn't enough somehow. At the end there was a hollowness, an emptiness. Through my life as a young adult there were others, of course, more experiments, more willing subjects. Some ended in flames and sordid tabloid stories, some in quiet desperation. All were ultimately disappointing. 
In my twenties, I began to focus less on others and more on myself. I felt I was becoming stuck in the maze. Why help others? What about me? So I began to explore. I had money and means. I was a man now with a man's appetite, so why not indulge them? I roamed the world seeking a release from the grind. Women and men passed through my life, my bed. I began to look outside the norms of society. I discovered that people could be hired to partake of pleasures. Even bored, if the cash was right. In certain corners of the world, anything was for sale. When I first killed someone, it was not by accident. Hello again. Now, don't struggle, and this will all be over much more easily. Yeah. Uh, shh, shh. This behaviour will not help. You are securely tied, and I am, unfortunately for you, very, very thorough. <laughs> Thank you. Now, this situation can go many ways, but I'd like to talk to you first. After all, it's you who have me at the disadvantage. I don't even know your name. Let me be clear. If I take off the gag, you have only one chance to talk sensibly. If you scream or cry out, I will use this to cut out your left eye. Not if you understand. Good. Now, be very quiet and only speak if I ask you a question. You have only one chance. (coughs) Bravo. Now, I'll ask you some questions. What is your real name? I told you it's Deb. I told you to be quiet. Now, tell me your real name. It's Tina. Very good. Tina it is. You remember me from before, yes? Yes. Good. You put more effort in than most, Tina. Hence my generous tip. I'm sorry I have to take that money back now, but you you really did deserve it. Still, if I'm going to make this look like a robbery, I can't really leave for money, can I? Still, those are my problems. Don't you worry yourself for the details. Now... I want you to tell me what you wanted to be when you grew up. What? When you were a little girl, you didn't dream of being a whore, I presume, Tina. Uh, no. So tell me, what you wanted to do with your life? What? Why? Why are you doing this? Let me go. I won't tell anyone. Just let me go and you don't have to pay. I'll do anything you want. Shut up. Tina, I really want to have a conversation with you and you're not making it easy. Now, I'm in a good mood, so I'm going to give you another chance to answer my question. What did you want to be when you grew up? Please, please. A uh, news reporter. Uh, TV news reporter. <laughs> Why? What pleasure would there be in that? Reporting tragedies. Talking to grieving loved ones. So hollow and small, Tina. A petty dream. But you have done as I asked. Well done. You've passed my test. Now, I'm going to put the gag back in. And if you let me do it without a sound, I will leave you here and call the police to collect you. I'll do this because even if you tell them what I look like, I'll be on the plane within the hour. They'll never catch me, and you can change your life and become a TV news reporter, eh? How's that sound? And that hopeful look on your face is priceless. That's why I do this. Now, don't make a sound, and this can all end. You promise? Okay, please, I'll do it. Just please don't hurt me. I'm sorry, Tina. I told a lie. I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to kill you with this knife, hopefully with a single stab wound to the chest. As no sense getting worked up is going to happen and nothing you can do will prevent it. 
See, it might surprise you to know that I've never done this before. I mean, there are so many possibilities, but I want to start simple. You'll be the first of many, I suppose, but you know I'll always remember this moment fondly. Thank you. Here's the knife. See? Now, prepare yourself. Shouldn't hurt too much. Such a fleeting moment of grace. At that point, I thought I'd found what I was looking for. One moment of transcendence. Watching the life leave her eyes was a rare thrill. To think I'd given this pleasure so many times to others. However, as I left the room, I was again bereft and aching. Further experiments in this field were much more extravagant and much more expensive, but ultimately all were the same. The thrill of one victim or two, knives, hammers or firearms, fighting or bound, all empty. I needed more. So I began to study the ancient and secret books of this world. I partook of rituals to test the flesh and mind. I read for hours by day. My employees, my agents, brought me more tomes almost weekly, but nothing pierced the membrane. From my parents' death, I was now a very rich man. I attended charity benefits for hungry orphan children in sumptuous halls and screamed unheard of blasphemies into the thick air of soundproofed rooms. Oh, those galas. Nobody aware of my true self. Darling! Charles, how lovely to see you here. I see you put a bid on my dinner date with the stars. Well, for you, Charles, anything. Forty thousand, <laughs> you naughty little thing. I am, Charles, I really am. Unfortunately, I'm away in New York on business that weekend, so I won't be able to go myself. Ah, you'll be sending one of those charming men you keep company with. That's right. Well, although, of course, I'd prefer you... They're always very charming young men. <laughs> oh, what's that on your neck? Have you been in wars? Oh, damn, I thought the cravat was covering that. A little impromptu surgery, my dear. Nothing to worry about. Good. Well, cover it up. I've got someone for you to meet. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Lady Cordelia Hampton. Mm. She's just returned from an extended vacation in South America. Don't ask. I'm not telling. <laughs> You'll have to find out for yourself. I've told her all about you, and she's just dying to meet you. Now, Charles, you know I don't like being set up. Well, I don't think you'll complain when you see her. Over there, in the blue dress. I see. She's from one of the finest families in the area. It's a match made in... Well, heaven. maybe this once, just for you. Cordelia! Hello, dear. This is the gentleman I was telling you about. Hello. Nice to meet you. Well, I'll leave you to it. Au revoir. Good old Charles. He does like to play matchmaker. Yes. So tell me, what brings you here? The children. I had to do something for them. I mean, I've recently been in Brazil, helping the poorest families set themselves up with trades vocations, but... Well, we often neglect the children here. Don't you think there's so much at home that we neglect to see? That is quite true. I just want to 
Do some good in the world, you know. Make a difference. I think it's absolutely charming that you think any of this means anything. Sorry? Do you fancy a drink somewhere, a little more private? Well... Just one drink. And then, after we've had a chat and got to know each other a little better, we can arrange to meet again. No pressure, I promise. Well, all right. Wonderful. I know a lovely little place. We can discuss your precious orphans. Shut up. I continued my experiments in the occult to no avail, but they did change me. Through the years, my mind was broken and reassembled into a more perfect shape. My body was scarred and smashed a hundred times, a thousand, but I always healed to continue the journey. What was the point, though? I know, I can see you are restless. Here, take this small gift for now. Better? Yes. All of the secret learning I'd accrued had led me to the same conclusion. There was nothing else beyond the walls. No final secret beyond the Garden of Flesh. Paradoxically, this led to renewed vigour. The modifications I made to my homes were extensive, and the people who passed through the doors had no idea they might end up in one of my secret and hidden rooms. I tested them until they broke. It was in this golden period that I heard whispers of the puzzle. A puzzle that very few could solve. One that led to unheard of realms beyond the earthly maze. My agents were dispatched to every part of the world, and for years I chased shadows, arriving in some far-flung rented room to see the telltale signs of a traveller who had pierced the veil. I collected the fragments of evidence dutifully. I catalogued and archived every reference of the puzzle. I began to lose myself. Perhaps the puzzle was merely a metaphor for all that I had already achieved. But there were signs. References that went back so very far, if you knew how to interpret them. And then, of course, there was the visitor. We all have our parts to play. Uh, sir? Not now, Jones. Um, I got someone here I think you'll want to talk to. Really? Yes, sir. Tony found him in Soho. He seems to know something. Send him in. Yes, sir. Mrs. Smith? Yes, and you are? Stephen. Come in. Thanks. Do you have anything to drink? Drink? Oh, scotch would go down well. Jones, fetch an honest scotch. Nice place. I hear you have something you wish to share with me. Well, possibly. Go on. For the right price. Mr. Stevens, I am not a patient man. If you do have something important to tell me, I urge you to begin now or you can leave. All right. All right. I, I just wanted to check I'd get something in return. Mr. Stevens, you will be adequately rewarded, I can assure you. Right. Good. Scotch, sir. Thanks. I hear you're searching for a puzzle. I, I know of one. I've seen it. It opens doors. Where did you see this? It was in Morocco. We're on a trip, seeing the world, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. A friend saw it in a travelling market and bought it. Bought what? The box. A box? Yes, but more than that, there was something wrong with it. We took it back to our hotel and... Uh, and? Uh, he became obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Said he could open it. I had a look, I couldn't work out how to do it, but he said it spoke to him. 
He locked himself away for two days. He wouldn't eat. I had to force him to drink water and... And then it happened. Yes. He opened it. What was in it? Stevens, what was in it? I don't know. What? Something happened. There were figures. I hid behind the door. I could hear them talking to him. They, they said they were going to take him away. He was pleading with them. I looked round the door and I saw... Saw what? A group of... I can't call them men. I don't know what they were. They were all around him with their backs to me, except one. When I looked around, this little one was standing apart from the other, staring directly at me. Like he'd known I was there the whole time. Just looking at me and smiling. His face. His face? He wasn't there. What do you mean? He wouldn't believe me. <laughs> Try me. It was as if he were made of rotting meat. No, that's, that's not right. It was worse than that. I, I, I can't explain it. What happened next? I don't know. I ran. I ran as far away as I could. I could feel those eyes on me. And worse, I could feel the smile. I went back a couple of days later. There was nothing there. There was some blood on the floor. That was it. And the box? Gone. Mm. Do you believe me? Oh, yes. Jones, is that woman still here, that blonde thing? Um, n- no, no, sir. She has moved on. Oh, good. Show this man to her room, will you? What? I think it would be best to keep you around a little longer, Mr. Stevens. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> of course I mind. Hey, ow, what are you doing? Sorry, Get your hands off me! No! In my forties, I abandoned the search. The constant testing of my body had left me broken, and the scarification made it impossible for me to go out into the normal world. Only my most trusted agents could meet with me. The money began to dry up. I was prepared for this eventuality and started the process of dismantling my empire. That's it, sir. Price here was in charge of procuring your subjects in Europe. Hmm. Now he's been uh, dispatched. Everyone is accounted for. Good. You have done well, Jones. And my final payment? Is in your account as usual. Excellent. Then I'll be on my way. <coughs> I, I'm curious, <coughs> Jones. How has it been working for me? Uh, just a job, sir. No different than any other. <laughs> No different. Come now, even you will concede that what we have done has been exceedingly bizarre. (laughs) Sir, in in my line of uh, specialist work, all things can become the norm. Um, And and what do you think of the things we have done, the changes we have wrought? (laughs) As I said, sir, it's uh, it's just work. Okay, goodbye. Jones, you said that everyone connected to me was gone, but that's not really true, is it? Uh... I don't, I don't follow you. <laughs> of course you do. You are the final piece of the puzzle, Jones. The end of the game. Surely you didn't think I'd just let you walk out of here? You're much too shrewd for that, I think. Listen, you sick fuck. You will let me walk out of here. Now, or you're dead. <laughs> oh, this is good. Spirited, Jones. I like it. <laughs> you thought I wasn't prepared for you? After everything you've done, you thought I'd trust you, you sick freak. That's it, Jones. Tell me what you really think. <laughs> I think you are a twisted psycho who's gone soft. You think... You think you can... 
do anything to stop me walking out of here. <laughs> you can hardly walk, you sick fuck. <coughs> I should kill you right now and be done with it. <coughs> Are you all right? You seem to have forgotten what I've been up to. You think I'm a rich pervert using the occult as some kind of prop for my murderous fantasies, yes? You are fucking evil. I wouldn't shoot, Jones. In fact, I don't think you can shoot, can you? What I've been up to is real, Jones. I've called out the ancients in countless rituals, and they are bound to be. I own you. I own your soul, and I can make you do whatever I want. No, it's not real. Fuck. Yes. No. Look at me. Look, I want to see your face. I want you to know that you are forever mine. <laughs> oh, Jones, it's good. This has been a rare treat. Bravo, my friend. You've made a jaded man smile. Now, breathe softly. That's right. Relax. Wait, I'll come over. Please forgive me. I'm a little slow these days. <sighs> <laughs> That's better. Now, how are you doing? No, don't try to speak. You should be almost completely paralysed by now, just able to breathe. Am I right? Now, as much as I would like to continue this pantomime, I think I'll tell you the truth. Which reality is more horrifying, that I have bound evil forces to my will, or the simple truth that you have been poisoned? That's right. I've had people adding it to your food for weeks. You planned for my betrayal, but you didn't plan as thoroughly as I. After all, it's what I'm good at, crossing the T's and dotting the I's, making sure that it took effect at just the right moment. <laughs> Although you almost had me. Watching Price Meet His End gave us enough time. Ironic that he was one of the people poisoning you. Around it goes. No, hmm? no, you, you can't. A little more fight in you, eh? All the better. I'm going to take you apart, Jones. I'm going to be very careful and methodical, of course. I'm going to take you to pieces slowly, like I have done your whole life. Please, hmm? just give me a chance. Why? You have nothing to live for anymore. Your wife and children are dead. No. Do you think that you kept secrets from me? I knew everything about you. I'm tired, Jones. I've tried my best to lift the veil and been left wanting. You and I have done great things together, but now it's done. I want to finish my time on this earth with dignity. You should do the same. You are nothing, sick bastard. Now, let's begin. So many choices. Goodbye, Jones. Oh, and don't worry, although paralysed, you should still be able to feel everything. Enjoy this experience. You will now go beyond the limits. I envy you. In a few short years, all the loose ends had been tied. I had a final property fitted to my liking to while away the final drops of money. My body, as I said, was broken, and my mind now saw puzzles everywhere. I had collected a great many, and although none of them had any power, I could not bear to part with them. 
I sat day by day in my house and toyed with them, the music boxes anointed with blood, the fine china dolls stained with the viscera of so many bodies. I gave up. That is when he came. Kuchad, he said his name was. Mr. Kushard. Yes, Mr. Smith. So good to finally talk. I'm not sure how you got in touch with me. A trivial matter. Not to me, I assure you. I value my privacy. Of course, but this is a business call. Nothing more. I am told you have an interest in puzzles, sir, and I wish to offer you one. Told by whom? This is not important. To me, it is. My time is valuable. I do not wish to continue our discourse in this manner. Let us just say, I have heard of your interest in puzzles and I wish to offer you a deal. Any other information is of no importance to me or you. You have a puzzle for me to solve? Yes. Why me? If I say the name Le Marchand, will that help clear this up? The circles in which these things move are small and word travels. You have no interest in Le Marchand. I'm sorry to waste your time. Wait. Yes? What do you know of Le Marchand? Nothing. A client of mine. A dealer in rare items has come into possession of one of his creations and would like the item tested. Opened? If such a thing is possible, then yes. Where is it? I have it. Why not do it yourself? Come now, Mr. Smith. One does not fumble around with such a rare item. I need an expert. Someone known to have been researching such matters. I was told that you are that man. Who told you? Who? How did you find me? Mr. Smith, you have only the next few seconds before I put down the phone and the box is lost to you forever. My employers are not patient in matters such as these. You wish to pierce the veil? This is your only chance. Agree to take the box now or I'll bid you good day. The box? Yes, I, 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 I agree. Very good. My employers will be pleased. I will send the item by courier to a place of your choosing. The contract will be that you examine the box and learn whatever secrets it holds. After the box will be returned to my care, you will go your way and I mine. We will never speak again. I agree. <laughs> Even if this is another dead end, I agree. Of course, Mr. Smith. You are the perfect man for the job. Sometimes things have a way of slotting into place. The pieces fit, so to speak. You can help me and I help you. Now forgive me. Time is short, I think, and we must arrange delivery. Very well, but answer me this. Who are these employers you speak of? <laughs> Powerful people, Mr. Smith. With interests far beyond our own. But everyone has a part to play, do they not? Every rat in the maze contributes to the goal. Still, my time is up. Tell me, where shall I send it? Hmm. I have a deposit box in the Rue Marquis in Geneva. 994, the code to deliver is Blackfriar. It will be subject to the usual security checks. Excellent. Thank you and goodbye, Mr. Smith. How shall I get in touch with you again? Where shall I send the box afterwards? Don't worry. It will get back to me. It always does. When I finally held it in my hands, I was underwhelmed. No fancy Baroque piece, this one. A simple lacquered box, no filigree or silver, 
just six impassive black sides. I prepared, slowly and methodically, gathering the offerings that I thought might appease, carefully painting the signs and sigils that might ensure success, scrubbing the attic to perfect cleanliness and preparing my ruined body for the trial. Then I was ready to begin. Surrounded by candles, I managed to sit up and begin the unfollowing. For three days I toyed with the box, manipulating it in countless permutations, drinking only my own urine to keep myself alive just long enough to complete the task. To an amateur, it would seem that I was repeatedly pouring at this puzzle like a child eager to open its secret, but in reality I was feeling it out, listening and feeling for the minute clicks and catches inside, tiny markers for the path of the puzzle. It was very fine work, probably the best I've seen. Even a millimetre on the wrong axis and you could feel the weight was not correct. My wrists ached with the unravelling. The box was leaden in my hands, indifferent to my sweating and droning chant, words of power and focus. After three days and nights, I felt I could not go on. The damn thing did not budge. I tried everything. You! Stevens! Let me go. This is the box, yes? No, get that thing away from me. How did he open it? No. You were there. How did he open it? Why do you want to? I have to know. Now, look at it. Tell me what he did. No. Tell me! (laughs) You'll never open it. You'll spend the rest of your life trying, but you'll never get any closer. Come here. I'm going to solve this, and I want you to watch. I went back to the puzzle. Another day of failure. Then... Without warning, the box click snapped. I was still. A tiny seam in one side was visible. A hairline crack. Careful not to unbalance the counterweight within, I moved my thumb and pushed delicately. I can remember every single moment. As half the side moved upward on smooth runners, things started to speed up. The weights inside seemed to guide my aching hands. I turn of the index, click, and another shape slides up from the endless black lacquer. The weight shifts inside to the right. My hands turn too, keeping pace, twisting and turning, pushing the shapes into each other. Twist, turn. The air seems to grow hot and dry. Suddenly, a click, and I know what to do. I twist the box smoothly, diagonally, and a spring inside catches. It jumps from my sweating palms and lands in front of me on the floor. Then the runners of the box catch and it slides smoothly upward on its own. A star-like shape remains. Suddenly everything stops. It seems like the dust particles in the air freeze. There's no sound, no movement. A bell tolls in the distance. Dark and resonant, the sound fills the room and my body. It's calling, calling them. The bell continues to toll and the faintest glimmers of light start to appear through the cracks in the walls. (laughs) Sound familiar, yes? The moment of the beginning. I couldn't move even if I wanted to. I bowed my head looking at the floorboard, seeming to shift black and brown. No way to breathe in the hot abyss. Darkness. Then a luminescent light, a breath of vanilla-scented air, cool and underscored with rot and decay. They are here. Priests to a cause I had spent my whole life pursuing. 
Raising my head and looking at them, I realised how petty and pathetic my own body had become. Scars and weakness. They were transcendent. Beautiful ruins. Their bodies pierced and leaking. Eyes wide with wonder, held open by hooks lest they miss even one detail of the unfolding scene. Mouths open and dripping, savouring my smell. The taste of my darkness in the air. I don't know how long it was that we stared at each other until one of them spoke. What do you want? How to put into words an answer to that question? To sum up my whole life's work? It seemed so small in comparison to what these beings had achieved. I was at a loss. One of them moved its head almost imperceptibly, and suddenly a barbed and rusty chain flew from the abyss and tore into my cheek. The many barbs caught in the flesh and the searing, beautiful pain woke me from my stupor. I had not realised I could feel like this, so clear, so perfect. The chain pulled taut and blood poured from the tear, spattering on the wooden boards with an unbearable loudness. They stood expectant. Well? Another wasted journey. This morsel is useless. No, I don't think it is. Speak. What is this? No! Stevens, how long has it been since we last saw each other? Morocco, wasn't it? Get away! Maybe we should take this one instead. No! Ah, found your voice, have you? Take me! I repeat, what do you want? I want this. I want what you have. Do you now? Or maybe we should take Stevens. That would complete your suffering, would it not? Please, no! Take me, I am yours! Oh, you have no idea. He knows not what he asks for. Oh, I'm not so sure of that. I've seen his thoughts. He could do well. Of course, the decision is yours. No, the decision has already been made years ago. Thank you. They seemed pleased. Or perhaps not. Maybe I wanted them to be pleased. It doesn't matter. They took me anyway. I don't know how long I've been here with them, enduring the teaching. Time seems to stretch to millennia here. I was remade. It was hard beyond imagining. I left the mortal maze and track and began again here, in Leviathan's maze. Now, after so long, I see that they were kind with me. Patient and loving, as you would be with a favourite child. Of course, no favours could be given, but I think some saw I had been marked out as special. I received the harder lessons. I received the deeper meaning. I began to understand that the emptiness is to be embraced, not fought. Every time I looked up at Leviathan, wailing in my own blood, I saw an indifferent gaze, and I knew... The flesh was all, the suffering was all, the abyss was all. Leviathan, 
You wish to address our Lord. You call his attention. Come here. What do you wish to say to your savior? You wish to tell him of this pain. You wish to mew your story of suffering into his ear. I wish to thank him. Insolence and bravado will not help you hear flesh. Wait. Leave this one. He speaks the truth. He does not seek to be delivered from the teaching. I have watched him. As have I. This one has learned well. You have been lax in your duties, Keeper. You should have observed his becoming. Instead, you have fulfilled your own needs, your fleshly cravings of violence. I have only served Leviathan. His will is my existence. Leviathan wishes this one to be anointed. He wishes you to serve him with your blood. And body. Submit to this and allow a new convert to our order. I have been chosen. I have never displeased our Lord. Indeed you have not. Now take your reward. Carry out his will. You will stand. What, what is happening? I want only to continue my studies. The time for learning is over. Now supplant your keeper and take your place in Leviathan's ranks. Why me? I, I do not seek this honor. This moment has been orchestrated, engineered from the beginning. What you seek is irrelevant. I understand. I beg. Take this blade. From this moment you do not beg. True, his pitiful life before he found us was full of chaos and disorder. But he has learned well. There is much potential in this one. The time is at hand. Send your keeper into the abyss for the order of the gash. Leviathan has spoken. I serve him now. Begin your journey. Shed this flesh. I will. Thank you, my lord. Now we come to the conclusion, do we not? My final indoctrination into the Order of the Gash, the telling of this tale. To you, my patient one, I have to leave all this history behind now and become one of the ageless. I think I can allow you your voice again now. It's interesting. After all those years hiding in the shadows, looking for answers, you have been drawn back to the box. What made you do it, Stevens? Please, don't. There's a certain beauty to this, isn't there? You first told me of the box, and now you will be my first subject. But... but you... I wear the raiment, and now I must claim my first. Choose my beginning. You opened the box. We came. Now, Stevens, what do you want? Piercing the Veil was written and directed by Philip North and Peter Davis, with Simon Kane as the narrator, Paul Thompson as the first Cenobite and Couchard, Katie Danbury as the second Cenobite, Peter Davis as the third Cenobite and Jones, Philip North as Stevens, Kevin Haney as the counsellor, 
Richard Marquis as Jack, Amelia Cavallo as Tina, Nick Lucas as Charles, and Laura Marshall as Cordelia. Recorded, engineered, and edited by Peter Davis. All music by Tom Fahey, licensed through the Free Music Archive under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike license. For full track credits and link to Tom Fahey's music, visit our website at www.hellraiserpodcast.com. Piercing the Veil was produced by the Hellraiser Podcast. <laughs>